Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Massive Attack Podcast. I'm Joe, and with me as always is Mitch. Hello. Remember when it used to be so hard to do an intro? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> Not anymore. Now it's just awkward. Well, the, the listeners wouldn't know that because we cut them out, but... Well, sometimes we let the bad ones slip through. And as a special return guest this month... I was glad you said return. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of like something else was coming up. Sorry. Remember how you said it was so hard to do an intro? And a special return guest, we've got Joel with us again. It's been a while, Joel. Yeah, it has been. After the ratings bonanza of my first appearance, uh, it's a pleasure to be back. For... Am I the only guest you've ever had? Yes, you are. Oh, it says wonders about the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're the best guest we've ever had. So there is a reason why we've brought you in, and we'll get to that later on in the show. So just shut up. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> now feel free to add to our, our conversation cool. as, you, as just you do. Head outside for a smoke. Just give us a go. Need me back. I just get my coat. <laughs> All right, we'll jump in as we normally do. Let's have a bit of a chat about gaming. We've done a little bit of gaming this month. Now let's start, Joel. Do you game? Uh, you pretty much know the response to that. No, I just. Bring you in. Actually, the one game I've played a bit of recently that I don't think I've heard either of you guys mention is GTA V, but everyone else in the known universe has mentioned it that, on a that's podcast. So. That's too new for us. Yeah. That's like for price <laughs> game, we don't do that. Okay. Well, if we're bringing it back to retro gaming, <laughs> I was looking through a box of stuff I had packed up when I moved out of my dad's house about 10 years ago now. I found an old Casio handheld game called Halley Battle, chucked a couple of fresh batteries in it, and kicked off like a dream so it's weird games like that you can still play and not actually forget the routine of how to play them I think I could probably still get through Alex Kidd in Miracle World to this day <laughs> yeah but those sort of games that's because you didn't get new ones all the time so you just played that constantly until you finished it all and got, and got, or got a new one and I that were probably 100 bucks a time or something so yeah. a little handheld yeah. Like Game & Watch sort of thing? Uh, not a Game & Watch, it's a handheld device. Yeah, I got it for like a ninth birthday. So, <laughs> so Halley what? Halley Battle. I'm just looking it up. Speaking of Game & Watches, I can remember when I was a kid, I saved up my pocket money for months and months and months, and I was going to get myself you know, the cool new hotness and I ended up getting parachute and I think I was the only kid in my class at school that had parachute. Everyone else had like Donkey Kong and Oil Panic and all the good ones. Uh, parachute was... That was like a legit one. That was like an official Nintendo. I yeah, always yeah. had the unofficial ones that were sort of like Parachute, but not quite. And essentially same gameplay, but not the same. And they were no one as good. Did you ever see an obscure parachuting game on the Super Nintendo? Basically, the premise was you jumped out of a plane and you had to hit a mark on the ground. Okay, I don't remember that. I played it at Oki's Toy Warehouse <laughs> in uh, Shepparton one time. And I don't think I've heard of it before or since. Yeah, mm. Oki's Toy Warehouse wasn't some dodgy bloke who said, come into my warehouse and play this game. No, <laughs> no they even had commercials on Southern Cross TV and I don't think it was the Win Network. Prime it was on. <laughs> in those days, there you go. We might have to cut that out though because Oki's haven't paid us the royalty check for the uh, endorsement just yet. So yes. Well, other than talking about retro gaming, you've played a lot of the previous GTAs, haven't you? I mean, yeah, you're a um, big fan of Vice City. Mitch has just put up the picture of Halley Battle and that yeah, is the one. Looks pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> Actually, is really cool. Vice City was the first game that really got me hooked on getting a PlayStation 2. So I spent hours and hours on that, and then San Andreas, I think, was after that, which had a lot more things you could do in it, but the story wasn't as good as Vice City. I didn't bother with GTA 4, but GTA 5 has been fantastic. Okay. How many hours you clocked up so far? Don't know. I don't even know how to check. Oh, okay. A lot? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how much have you done, you reckon? I 
think I'm pretty close in the story mode, but collecting all the hidden maps and things like that, I'm ages away. Yeah, I haven't played a Grand Theft Auto game since Grand Theft Auto. Since it was top down. No, they were the good ones. But the one that's New York, I don't know what that means. There was one where you're in the equivalent of New York. I think it's Liberty City, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and I can remember you had to like do some mission and you could get across the bridge and I just could never get across the bridge. So (laughs) back in the days when I sucked at gaming, just last week. (laughs) So, yes. So you're still in it? You're not... Yeah, I'm not actively playing it. I picked up Saints Row 3 as well. Like, if I was to play any of those, that's probably the one I'd go to, only because it sounded a lot more fun. Like, I, don't, I assume the mechanics of GTA 5 are amazing and what you can do in it, but yeah, it's, Saints Row just sounds crazy ridiculous. It's weird going from GTA 5 to Saints Row 3. It's just the gameplay is so much more simplistic. And it's a bit more cartoony, isn't it, Saints Row? Yeah. Well, I think Saints Row is going to be the next Ruby game on Games for Gold, Saints, Saints Row 3. 3 is good. So I think you might be able to get it sweet Saints Row 1 wasn't great I remember borrowing it off you and getting about an hour or two in and thinking no that was one of the freebies I got when I first got the Xbox and I wasn't used to sandbox games and it was just for me it was like I don't know what I gotta I gotta find my way around this place I don't know I just wanna like Gears of War tells you where you gotta go you can't go anywhere else but this way where these whole open worldy things I don't know Mm. I'm, I'm a lot better now. Well, the start of Saints Row 3 is an open world. It's very segmented. You have to go through the missions in the exact order they want. Okay. That's yeah. probably good if it teaches you the world a bit and gives you the scope. Yeah. What about you, Mitch? I noticed you've been playing a few things. I've started some games, but I haven't got very far. Like, I start... Well, as we mentioned last time, I've had my son come along, so gaming time is not as easy as it was. Yes, but that's not the only reason why you've started some games and then stopped, is it? No, well, maybe. Well, I st- I've got the two Xboxes. This is the time I spend on the different one. I started Batman Arkham Origins on my PC, and I just don't get on that enough. So I haven't got back to it after the first day of playing. And I think the problem... Not a problem. It's fine. It's its Batman again. But its I've done it. Like It's actually nothing new. Like, oh yeah, it's the same it's the good, the same goodness that has been there before but I'm not getting anything new out of it by going oh wow that's a new thing or that's a new thing it's like it's more of the same so I'm not being drawn back to it to sort of go oh I want to see what they do next because I don't feel like there's going to be anything new so I will get back and I just have it on the other Xbox I started I was looking for something to play just quickly and I actually went through what was downloaded on the hard drive and there was Bulletstorm I was like oh that should be quick and fun and it was it was fun and that was only last week so I but I haven't got back to it because something else was released that's right yes yes Peggle 2 initially Peggle 2 when it was announced it was for me the only reason why I would want to buy an Xbox One mm-hmm. but now it's out on 360 I have no reason to jump to the new generation no. Joel, have you ever played Peggle? Uh, no, I haven't. But I like those is? games better when they were columns. <laughs> no, no, well, this is No, not. this isn't a match game. Peggle is... Pachinko, basically. Yeah, you shoot balls at coloured pegs I in bet. the simplest premise in the world, but it is one of the most addictive games I've ever played. And rewarding for when you clear a level, you feel like you've achieved something. Not because it's hard, but because they make you feel like you've achieved something. Yes. Okay. All right. Mm, after the podcast, we'll show you. We'll show you Peggle, and you'll never be the same. But no, Peggle 2, like you said with Batman, it's more of the same, but it's... Change the music? Yeah. And when I read that initially, I was like, oh no, they've got rid of Ode to Joy. But I think it's actually improved with the fact that they've got rid of Ode to Joy and they've now got different classical music to go with different masters. But yeah, they've got new masters. It's pretty much the same physics gameplay I've noticed. When you need a lot of points at the end of the game, it always goes into the lowest bucket. Mm. So that's still the same. These are English words, Joel. You may not know what we're saying. (laughs) It will all make 
make sense when we explain when we show you. Yeah, I, I don't think I've sworn more. Like I think my son has learnt some new interesting words while they play this around him because I have said some amazing things at the television. <laughs> because yes, it, the physics they it seems right sometimes, but every now and then it'll just hover or just move a little bit more than you didn't think it was going to. It's like hang on and just yeah, just to fuck you up. And the bounce. Like, sometimes you'll make a shot and you'll think, yep, this I mean, is the exact angle I, I'm going to bounce this to where I need it, but it goes completely somewhere different. Yeah. And then you try it again and it goes somewhere different again. I was talking to a friend of mine last week, talking about game rage and everything, and he was throwing, I forget what he was playing, but he was throwing the controller around. His yeah. son, who's five, took the controller into another room and Ken followed him and goes, I wonder what he was doing. And he's talking to the controller going, all right, dad's getting angry, so can you just not stuff up for me, please? <laughs> yeah, so then he came back and he goes, I've talked to it, it should be right now. <laughs> Yes. But it's funny, this little simple cartoony game Peggle is what makes me swear more than anything at the moment. That's because you haven't played a Lego game with your kids yet. Mm. And Lego games are designed for children, but for some reason, if you play them with children, the frustration levels of playing a Lego game just multiply. You've played some of the Lego games, haven't you, John? Just Lego Indiana Jones, and one level in that, the one where you have to get the plane to shoot at the... Ah, yes. I couldn't, for the life of me, figure that out. <laughs> there was a lot of swearing. Well, my six-year-old and I have been playing Lego Marvel. We are now about eight levels in, I think it is nine levels maybe and there's certain stages in that where you really have to work as a team and when your son's just wandering around aimlessly pressing buttons and you're like no Matt just come over here and stand on this so I can then stand on this bit and yeah it's a, a bit hard but it also has the joy of being the fact that you have multiple characters on screen so the three-year-old could sit there with an unplugged controller with no battery in it and think he's playing along so it's, it's a good family game but yeah as I said I, I haven't really been doing a lot of gaming a bit of Marvel and Mitch and I have played a little bit of Borderlands together and we still haven't been able to suck you into Borderlands have we Joel? Uh, no yes we try. Yes. Got to get you that internet connection for your Xbox and then uh, we're set. Then you'll lose hours of your life like we did. I hear they have the internet on computers. Maybe <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so, yes. Well, maybe we should move on to movies. Mm-hmm. Seen anything recently, John? In America, which we probably... Spoilers! Spoilers, no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the AMC Network was doing Forrest Gump Month and they were showing Forrest Gump... All the Forrest Gump films. <laughs> Forrest Gump 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> they were showing Forrest Gump back to back to back for the month. Guantanamo or something? Is that, yeah. that's <laughs> Did they put, like, toothpicks in your eyelids? No, but every <laughs> second showing they were having trivia pop up on the screen. Was it, like, pop-up video and it had a sound? Yeah, oh, it awesome. actually was. That sounds like so, the worst thing ever. Well, <laughs> I think I saw Forrest Gump <laughs> six or seven times non-consecutively. Non-consensually. Well, oh, it's a fantastic film. It's a terrible film. Bits and, of it are good. Bits of it... The end. Because yeah. you can stop watching. <laughs> No, I don't know. The, the bit where he goes into the Black Panthers and like all the racism and stuff, that was cool. And, yeah. <laughs> the racism was the best bit. <laughs> yeah, the racism sure. was the best bit. Yeah. When, he, when he met, who did he meet? John F. Kennedy? Yeah, um, Nixon. I think he met anyone who was anyone in the 60s. Hmm. No, 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 I like Forrest Gump. The soundtrack's good. Yeah. Sally um, Fields is kind of cool. Yeah, and they were gearing up for Shawshank Redemption Month as I was leaving. That's fine. I can, I can support that. Yeah. See, that's another one of those movies that we should put on my cult movie challenge because I have never seen Shawshank Redemption. I've read the book, or the short novella, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But yeah, never seen the movie. Oh, okay. 
fantastic. So you didn't have any new releases on the plane over to the States or anything like that? Semi-new releases. Anchorman 2, which I didn't think much of. The Lego movie was on the plane, but it was in German, so I couldn't watch it. The way you admit it. I saw Captain America 2, but that was a few weeks ago now. Yeah, very light on for movies So you've lately. probably seen a bit more new releases than I have. Well, but that being said, I have actually had two trips to the cinema in the last couple of months. See, it's, it's been, what, six weeks since we recorded Something like that. Um, yeah, two trips to the cinema. Real cinemas? Re- uh, well, real movies? One of them I went to the real cinema. Mm-hmm. And the other one I went to our favourite cinema, the Astor. So maybe I should mention that one first. And we'll do the good film, bad film scenario. Okay. And I went to the Astor and I saw the Dark Crystal. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> is that the good or the bad? Well, this is the good. No, what? <laughs> yeah, this is the good. This uh-huh. is the good. For those of you who don't know the Dark Crystal, in case you're a bit younger than the target audience of our podcast, I guess, but... The Dark Crystal came out in... You're 19... a target audience, don't listen to him. 1983, I think it was. The year I was born. There you go. It holds a special place in your heart if you were to watch it, Joel. <laughs> don't watch it. It's Jim Henson and it's puppets and a rather convoluted story if you think about it a bit too long. But they had it at the Astor and I think they were saying it was the first time it's been on the big screen in 25 years or something. So my wife's a huge Dark Crystal fan and... I quite like The Dark Crystal, so we went and saw it, and it was exactly how I remembered it. What, boring? No, there's like male nudity in it. Did you know oh, that? I'll, I'll, I'll full, have to go back and watch. Full frontal puppet nudity. And I, I just didn't remember puppet that. Puppet Wang. One. Was it fully articulated puppet yeah, Wang? Yeah, there wasn't a puppet Wang, but there was like naked puppets, and I don't remember that bit from when I was a kid. And here I thought Meet the Feebles was the first <laughs> uh, showing of puppet genitalia. As I said, no genitalia, just naked puppets. Kind of like that Ken Doll Mound sort of thing going on. Well, Kermit's naked. That's not news. Well, he's a frog. All frogs are naked. A dark crystal humans, are they? Well, no, they're not. They're, it's set on some fantasy world. and Where time stops. It does. There's the, the Skeksis, which are kind of like vulture-looking things who are the bad dudes. And then there's... I can't even remember the name of the good guys. And then there's these two Gelflings that are set to this prophecy. But it's a good kids' film. It holds up as a kids' film. The crowd at the Astor really surprised me because I didn't know what to expect, but there was a lot of hipsters there. Not the Astor. Yeah. No. And the row in front of us were all these like big burly-looking dudes with shaved heads and beards. And then I realised it was a bear convention because <laughs> they were all like, yeah, quite effeminate when the movie started. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked. It. And did Gru from Despicable Me make another appearance? No, he didn't. No, <laughs> that's right. Well, I went to the Astro as well, and I saw a double header. You did. I saw Jaws and Jurassic Park, and I miss 1970 Spielberg because <laughs> I don't really like 1990 Spielberg. I, don't, I mean, I'm going to sound pooey here. Jurassic Park is a fantastic film. Don't get me wrong; it's just a bit bloated. What order was it? Jaws first or Jurassic yes, Jaws first? first? Jaws first. Because then you could leave. I should have. Yeah. Well, no. I, I actually, because when we did the 90s movie challenge, I actually was. Well, that was one of the movies I did want to go back and rewatch just to see where it was in the whole thing. And it was a chance to see it, even though it was after the challenge. Jaws is phenomenal and perfect. I think I've talked about it before. It is an amazing film. But Jurassic Park, I mean, it's technically an amazing film. The special effects still hold up. It's just, it's a, it's a kid's film. And it's meant to be. I mean, it costs a fortune to make. You've got to make your money back. It's got to sell the Happy Meal, all those sort of things. So the kids in it just annoyed me. And there's a bit where the T-Rex destroys the car, then they go over the edge, and then the car's in the tree, and he climbs up and saves them, and he comes down the tree. And it, 
the whole time I'm just literally watching it going, why are we watching this? Like this whole scene, I'm just, it took me out of the film going, why is this a thing? <laughs> it's a car chase with a car falling through branches as they're climbing down a tree. I don't care. And this is Spielberg. This yeah. guy can make a film. Yet this scene just took me for some reason right out of it. I mean, it's 1993, yet Samuel Jackson's smoking in an office. And it's just funny to watch thinking, people smoking indoors. You can't do that. That's- Occupational health and safety. But, but I suppose they just made dinosaurs. But anyway. But how many of those scenes are from the book? Um, Samuel Jackson was smoking in the book. <laughs> I think, I don't think the car falling down, because I've read the book. It's actually one few one of the few books I've actually read. And I don't remember the car falling down a tree. <laughs> you mean few books of movies that you've actually no, read? No, <laughs> no, few books. I have not read. We're sitting in the room now. Do you see many novels in my bookshelves? No, there's plenty of comics. Yeah, I was going to say, there's not many books in here that don't have pictures in them. Yes, there's some couple of choose your own adventures. It, it's interesting in that way. It was still an amazing film with amazing bits. And I didn't realise that the score was quite iconic. Like, I th- if you asked me to hum the Jurassic Park theme, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it was. But then as soon as they get in the Jeep and they drive over the plains and the music revs up, it's like, oh, yeah, I know that tune. I wouldn't have known it. But I talked I talked to some friends the other day who were a bit younger than me, so Jurassic Park sort of a bit more in there, younger, more. You'll watch it a lot more times. And they just belted out the tune straight away. They just sort of went into it. So I was like, oh, okay, for them it's a bit different but it was quite funny i'm sitting there with my friend and the people behind me were talking away and jurassic park was about to start must have been hipsters i reckon in the background but they go oh shut up jurassic park's my star wars and i just sort of whispered to my friend star wars was my star wars (laughs) (laughs) yeah so obviously it's a a generational Generational, thing and i mean it is 16 years later just jumping back to how you're saying it was a kid's film it's not a kid's book though is it no. It's a very adult book. Well, it's Michael Crichton, so it's the same plot as all these other books. Yeah. But yes, it's 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 about science and chaos theory and hmm. cloning. So yeah, it's not a kid's book at all. It's an adventure book. So yes, I mean, it, he's turned it into a very good movie that adults and children can enjoy. But I mean, the acting, I mean, the kids are annoying, but it, it was just, I understand why they were there in the same way that Jar Jar Binks is in Star Wars. He put it there for the kids. Like we, Ewoks oh, are in Jedi. They're there for a reason. Unfortunately, it took me out of the film where I would have loved... That would have been an amazing horror film if yeah. they made a straightforward thing. But it would have been a different vibe and feel and maybe not as worked. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen Jurassic Park since it came out, so that's probably... Now, Joel, you're yeah. a bit younger than us, so you, it might be your Star Wars. I don't know. Because we did mention before, before we were recording, not you didn't miss anything, but you've nearly seen all of Star Wars. <laughs> And I have not seen Jurassic Park at all. Oh, okay. So you're not your typical of your age because you like a lot more 80s action films. And yeah, I grew like up with Delta Force and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and American Ninja and that ilk of film. You just, if it doesn't have Dudikoff, you don't want it. Exactly right. <laughs> Bachelor party. <laughs> I didn't see that until I was a teenager, actually. But... Tony Katane. And Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> yes. Well, jumping back to the idea of making movies from books, the other trip to the cinema I had was we went and saw Divergent because my wife kind of did it a little bit ass about. We we went to the movies, I think it was last year when we saw Hunger Games and they had the ad for Divergent. And to me, it just sort of looked like a poor man's Hunger Games. But she actually liked the idea of it. And then when she found out it was based on a book, she went and got the book and read the book and read the whole trilogy and quite liked it. And then we thought we'd go and see the film. But I really didn't like Divergent and I don't think she was all that impressed with it the premise is basically they're in a a future post-apocalyptic Chicago I think it's meant to be and everyone kind of fits into these four groups of society and the ones that kind of don't fit in anywhere are, are called Divergent and it's all about these kids coming of age and working out what group they want to go into and 
one of them finds out she is divergent. But bits of it were okay, I guess. Kate Winslet was in it, which was before I saw it, the reason I thought it might be good, but she was actually terrible. And other than the music and possibly one of the bad guys in it, I can't recommend anything about it. Yeah, I looked at the trailer and didn't even think it was worth checking out. Again, like you, I thought it looked like a poor man's Hunger Games, but it just didn't look good. But to me, the difference is the Hunger Games, the book... Has Jennifer Lawrence. Well, yes. all that matters. But the book itself for the Hunger Games is very much aimed at teenage girls, but yet the movie works on lots of different levels, I think. I don't know. You, you enjoyed Hunger Games, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I loved it. Have you seen it, Joe? No. No? Okay. No, do to cough. No. But to me, Hunger Games works because she's not likeable, but yet you still kind of feel for her. Whereas, well, that, that's, that, yeah. well, that's the thing. There's a lot of movies out there with actresses who and actors who aren't very good and the character or whatever. I forget her name now, but Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence's character... Katniss. Katniss is not likeable. No. She's miserable. It's mopey. It's depressing. Yet you don't care. You are still into her as a whether I don't know. I, I've got a soft spot for her. Maybe that's carrying a lot of weight. But she just seems to carry that film beautifully because it's hard to have an asshole protagonist. Yep. But if you've got a Pacino who can play a prick or you know uh, um, Ralph Macchio, <laughs> sure. <laughs> My Daniel LaRusso in the Karate Kid. He was oh, he was an ass antagonist, but he was he was just a dick. <laughs> but um, it was Mr. Miyagi that carried that film. Now, but you watch uh, like Mr. Wolf in Pulp Fiction, Harvey Keitel. Yeah, you know anyone in Reservoir Dogs. They're not likable characters, but they're charismatic and they'll bring you through. Yes, they're bigger than larger than life characters. What Jennifer Lawrence does in The Hunger Games is amazing because you you don't want to hang around this person. She's mopey and depressed all the time. Yeah. Yet you're intrigued by the whole thing. Yeah. And it's got Stanley Tucci. Exactly. Like, the there Tucci. was a couple of name actors in Divergent. The the main girl's some TV actress from America who's been in the, what's it called, The Secret Life of an American Teenager or something like that. Something I'd never heard of. And one of the other guys in it, an Aussie dude that was in Home and Away, but not... No, that's Hunger Games. No. That's Hemsworth. No, it wasn't one of the Hemsworths. It was some other Aussie dude. Craig McLaughlin. No. Dita Brummer. I've no idea. Guy Pierce. Alan Dale. He's in fucking everything. He is now, isn't he? But no, none of those people. He turned up in Captain America too. And I was watching Torchwood the other night. Alan Dale again. He's in fucking everything. Yes. But no, I, I wouldn't recommend Divergent. But other than that, I've watched a couple of movies at home. Being May the 4th and talking about Star Wars, I dug up the best of the trilogy. and Not the Caravan of Courage. No, the real trilogy. And I watched Empire Strikes Back. I'm still at that stage now where it's like my kids are starting to get into the Lego Star Wars cartoons and it's like, are they old enough to see Star Wars now? And I was six when I saw the first Star Wars and I'm leaning towards the idea that they are old enough to see it. But my wife's kind of like, well, I don't know if they would understand it. I don't know. But yes, Star Wars Day being a tradition, Empire Strikes Back being the best of them, I dragged it out. And I know you watched another one of the uh, Star Wars Well, I just, Star everyone Wars was posting on Facebook and doing their Star Wars Day stuff. So I jokingly thought, oh, this would be a good photo opportunity. So I put in the Phantom Menace and got Jackson out and took a picture of saying that I'm doing my parental duties and showing Jackson Star Wars on Star Wars Day. And I took a picture of him during the Duel of the Fates Darth Maul fight scene, which is a, probably you know, the best cool bit. bit. Yeah. But something I did, because I remember when I first got a DVD player, Star Wars was one of the first DVDs I had, and the surround sound system all sort of came out at the same time. So the pod race is what I used to show off my surround sound system. So the pod race is kind of cool. So I thought, I'm going to watch that. I haven't watched that on the big telly bit yet. So I put it in, and that's where I started. So I actually skipped through and started watching from the pod race. And I just didn't turn it off. So it actually kept my attention from then on. It's a good movie if you start at the pod race. Mm-hmm. It's nice and short. You don't have to worry about the first hour and a bit. Didn't the DVD release have an extended version of the pod race? 
Well, it could be because I don't remember going to the cinemas. I, I, I remember going, but I don't remember anything different yeah, in I, the scene. So I, I think I remember them saying that they extended they introduced the podcast. all the more races at the start and things like that. Yeah. Is that the part that Greg Proops plays? The Correct. Yes. I really don't remember Greg Proops from Phantom Menace. Oh, it's it's kind of a movement. There's so much going on. Yeah. It's... But then, again, I've only seen Phantom Menace once at the cinema when it first came out, and I've never bothered going back. Well, I haven't watched it in bits. I've seen the pod race a lot, but that's about it, because it's a great thing to test your sound system. So, Joel, maybe when I get my kids to watch Star Wars, we should bring you into it, and you can watch Star Wars with the kids. Do you think I'm mature enough to be watching a film like that? Star Wars, yes. Empire Strikes Back, probably not. <laughs> You might need to hold someone's hand. Get yeah. a permission slip. <laughs> yes. So yes, that that's movies. Unless you've got anything else, Mitch. No, I got nothing else. You mentioned Captain America. We didn't talk about that last. Haven't we? No, because no, it's been a it's while. It's been a while since we recorded. Yeah, Captain America's fantastic. You liked it? Loved it. Loved it. Me too. It's. It, I can't rave enough about it. It was a great continuation on. It was. It added more to the Captain America films. It. It's like Avengers one point five. Everyone's great in it. They introduced the new elements for the going forward in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it's fantastic. I recommend it highly. But I guess I still can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy. Cool. Well, speaking of comic-based movies and comic things, not only was it Star Wars Day just recently, but that same weekend was actually Free Comic Book Day. And this year was the first year that I actually dragged my kids into the city to All-Star Comics, and they dressed up in their little Superman and Spider-Man outfits, respectively, and we went and checked out the Free Comic Book Day. And I know you were there with your nephews, Mitch, and you actually popped in a bit later in the day as well, didn't you, John? Yep. I thought, again, All-Star was great in the way they set things up they were very good with the early opening hour for the kids and the kids did really well with their kids packs but i was a little bit let down with the adult selection this year i think it was a poor selection of books compared to other years like last year i wasn't that impressed either but this year i struggled to find one that i wanted like all star i think you get like five books or something like yeah, that yeah was five and I was I got to three and they were three that were looked okay as opposed to three I really wanted then he goes you can get another two and I'm like mm, that one and that one <laughs> it was just sort of like it got to a point where I was like I don't really care I mean I love the day and I love the premise behind it and I don't need free comics if they're good great you know but it doesn't really matter like I mean I don't know I'm just starting to be reading a lot at the moment so I'd be happy with a new Atomic Robo and a new Tick but I've got them but I'm yeah, just like okay. not busting my balls to read them at this point. Yeah. But but it's a great thing. You walk out with five free comics and they're all decent read. And it's like, oh, this is fantastic. But it's, yeah, it's not like I really have to read this one. There's nothing there that go, I need this to set up my next year of reading comics or this is going to get me into this thing. There was I quite like the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Yep. That, that was because I don't really know a lot about Guardians of the Galaxy and I thought that was good. It's probably not something I should read before I watch the movie because it's a very different storyline, isn't it? Well, introduce the characters. And that, it's, it's very deliberate. Yeah. I mean, that's a free comic book day for that reason to get people saying, all right, there's a movie coming out in a couple of months. These are the characters you need to know. And it's it's written in quite an establishing way. Yeah. It's, yes, it's got Venom in it from the Spider-Man universe joining the group, spoilers. But it's it's written in a way where it's like, these are the characters in the Guardians of the Galaxy. These are their things. So it's very deliberate. Yeah, to tie people in and sort of get excited, which I am. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good, and, and and like you said, I picked up Atomic Robo because I do every year, and I also got the Tick, and I thought the Tick was pretty good. But yeah, the adult ones were a bit of a yeah, ho hum. I mean, I don't know what I want out of it, but it was just like because I, I buy comics every month. It's sort of like this is the free one they give me. It's like well, it's not exactly. the ones I buy every month, so you're not as good because. For me, it was really just a chance to get the kids into a comic book shop, and and they enjoyed it, and. 
surprisingly my older boy was like oh you know i'm not really sure what comics i want and i was like well we saw the list online and and we mentioned the smurfs one and my wife's like i'll get the smurfs one and will was all like oh i don't really like the smurfs but as soon as we got home the one that he's read the most is actually the smurfs comic so yeah good on him what did you think joel because you you went later in the day when it was a little bit more busy than it was initially yeah all stars always organized well uh they had the artist oh i was Articelli, I guess. Yep. Yeah, um, but they had it off-site. This off-site, time. yeah. Yeah, it was uh, in a building around the corner that also had a cafe and an open area. Uh, they had artists drawing, obviously, and people selling items there as well. So that was a good setup. It wasn't out in the cold, which... Uh, last year what, it was. Yeah, last year it was just... In an alley. Hardware yeah. lane, wasn't it? Yeah, and it wasn't a fantastic day weather-wise, so it was good that they had them actually out of the cold and people could get out as well. Just the sheer amount. Like, the Melbourne comic scene is amazing at the moment. Like, yeah. there was, what, like six, eight people drawing at a time per session? Yeah. And they were drawing for, like, an hour and a half each, and there was, like, four sessions for the day. I mean, that's a lot of artists, and the quality is good. Like, it's a very healthy scene at the moment. And just the amount of crowd that they pull as well. Like, I know when we went last year, we went pretty much as got there as they were about to open, and we expected to stand in the line, and we, we did for a while but we got there this year at nine o'clock for the early opening for the families and there were still people like lining up for the normal day like probably 100 150 people lined up down on south street at that stage of the morning good on them yeah it's becoming a big deal it is becoming a big deal and as i said it had the desired effect for my kids definitely because since then my oldest is really getting into the the superhero idea of like we've been playing lego marvel he's been you know watching the lego marvel cartoon and showing a bit of interest in comics which is good and comic book characters yeah job well done i guess yeah so what you pick up yep, gi joe and transformers or gi joe versus transformers i haven't read that yet and then i picked up batman spider-man and a couple other it's a web thing yeah, know just what it a is. couple of other uh, random superhero ones but i gave them to a mate uh, i had no intention of reading them because i had no intention of collecting the series ongoing so yep mm-hmm. well you mentioned gi joe and that's probably a good lead-in point to again why we've got you here so you've recently just come back from the states uh yes i have um, and the main reason you went over was JoeCon. Yeah, 50th anniversary of G.I. Joe happened this year, and uh, I went to the G.I. Joe convention. I've been a collector of G.I. Joe since I was seven years old. It's your thing. Yep, yeah, my subject. <laughs> if you were a mastermind, you would be a special subject, G.I. Joe. Yeah, so... Um, so this is JoeCon, so it's a G.I. Joe convention. This yes. is every year, they just... Nothing but Joe. Exactly right. And how long has this been going? Since... 1994 but uh in its current incarnation i think 10 years it was run by i think just fans originally yeah uh with some help from hasbro employees and then fun publications who also oh they run the gi joe collectors club but they also run the transformers collectors club Mm -hmm. run the conventions and they've been doing it i think since 2002 okay and looking at their website and just looking at the pictures online and stuff it's quite a big deal isn't it big deal in the fact that they get a few people through the door yeah the crowds weren't as big as i expected okay considering it was the 50th anniversary. Okay. Yeah, it's a four-day event, and there's activities on pretty much across the four days, so... Now, compared to, like, like Armageddon or Supernova here in Melbourne, which is a cross-platform, not just one singular thing, what sort of crowds are we... Nowhere near that big? No. On, I suppose, the busiest occasions, there were probably four to 500 people. Okay, I expected bigger for some reason. Yeah, they kind of look bigger in the photos. Well, the problem with this year's convention was that Hasbro had no involvement and IDW Comics, who produced the G.I. Joe comics, had no involvement. So the, Fuck you, Hasbro. <laughs> they were kind of limited on 
what they had panels on and um, guests and things like that. Okay. But as an experience, it was brilliant. So when you say the panels, what sort of panels do they have? They have like toy designers and stuff talk about the product? or Yeah, they had toy designers there. They had voiceover actors from the Sumbo cartoons oh, okay. from the 1980s. Sergeant Slaughter? Uh, no. Don Johnson? No. Michael Bell, who's a very well-known name in the cartoon voiceover business. He was on a Voltron, G.I. Joe. I think he was on the Transformers cartoon. Snorks he was in. Uh, he oh, was hit the big time if he was on Snorks. He was handy in um, the Smurfs. <laughs> done a lot of video games okay. um, he's one of those guys who as soon as you hear his voice you would recognise it and whose voice did he do in the G.I. Joe he was Duke in G.I. Oh, okay. yeah. he was also Buzzer and Lift Ticket and Major Blood the guy that did is it Destro's voice or Cobra Commander's voice just died recently is that right that was Chris Ladder he died in the 90s I think so okay. not just, recently just died yeah, <laughs> yeah I've, I've just reading up on this stuff recently like recently when, yes. when um, yes. Boys in the Hood came out <laughs> yes Correction department from last month. Yes. Uh, there was also DJ Ward who... And the bear? No. no. Uh, DJ McKay, wasn't it? I don't know. She was Scarlet. That's a sheep. Yeah. So girls go to this thing. Well, I was going to say, with all the hot toddy that was going around the con, how was the action? Uh, yeah, that was uh, non-existent. I oh. think the most attractive one might have been an employed stripper, but we won't go there. Oh, no, 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 we will go there. <laughs> that, you've piqued my interest now. Booth babes, do they? No, but did you see the community episode, the G.I.G. Yes. one? Yes, yes. Well, we were going to ask you about that and see if you thought that was sacrilegious or not. Or whether well, you just to explain, if you don't know, the TV show Community, a sitcom that's just finished in America, there was an episode where one of the characters was in a coma, essentially, and he, he had a dream in G.I. Joe, essentially. It was an animated episode, just like the cartoon, yeah, with, the, with the commercials. The style was very much matched to the original like 80s G.I. Joe. And even some live-action commercials that look like G.I. Joe commercials, to the point where I thought they were real until later <laughs> on, and they were obviously not. So, yeah, what did you... Yeah, there was a young lady dressed as Shipshape from that. Oh, hello. <laughs> and individual she was with, we'll say, left a little bit to be desired, and the talk going around the convention was... That... She was hired? Yeah, that may mm. have been the case. Oh, okay. So... Oh, I like it. All right, Controversy so... <laughs> As a G.I. Joe collector, I'm assuming there was stuff you could buy there? Yeah, they have a sales floor that's open to convention attendees. And, and is there, like, convention-only exclusives or anything like that? Yeah, when you register for the convention, in your convention pricing, you get a 15-figure box set. That's all right. And that's if you're a three-and-three-quarter-inch G.I. Joe collector. They also uh, cater to the 12-inch collectors. and they. <laughs> so for the larger gentlemen, they kind of enjoy it as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right now i'll get my mind out of the gutter how do you compare say the original sort of 90s sort of gi joes to the new ones the, the quality is not quite as good now well they're a different construction they use a softer plastic and the articulation is different the sculpting these days is a lot better yeah the articulation is also a lot better. Do they still have the rubber bands in their bellies? Uh, no, they don't. See, that's good, because when I was a kid, I remember they used to snap all the time, and it used to be quite annoying. Yeah, I've spent hours and hours. I'm nodding my head on this audio podcast yep. to Mitch finding a photo of Shipshape. She is Shipshape. Tight ship. So you said you went over to the States for JoeCon mainly, but then you did a bit of a tour afterwards. Uh, yeah. Did yep. you find that you wanted to buy more at the con, but you knew you couldn't carry it around with you for your rest of your tour? Yeah, that was a huge problem because some of the G.I. Joe vehicles get pretty astronomical in size and only having certain luggage allowances. You I guess you probably now you've, 
You've been collecting for a while. Like you said, you started when you were seven. You're yep. now 57, so it's a while. <laughs> you, you've, the USS Flag is probably the biggest toy you can get. Of any action figure, playset, line or whatever, I don't think there is a bigger toy than that, is there? No, I don't think so. No, and you've it, got two of them. <laughs> so is there a lot you don't have yet? A lot of the vehicles, just because the shipping is so expensive to get things over from America. But the new stuff, oh, from 2007 onwards, um got quite a lot of it the stuff from the mid 90s i've probably got about half of it and then the figures from 82 to 94 the initial run i'm probably about 85 percent complete okay so where were you looking i mean obviously jocon would have been the best place to buy hard to get things i guess i, I with a dealer's room that is it pretty much a dealer's room and panels that's that's jocon or is there more to it than that they have a dinner on the saturday night and then they have a casino night after that casino night with Jocon money, with your convention <laughs> registration, you get a certain amount of Jocon money, and then you play at the casino tables, and then you try and raise as much Jocon money as you can get, and then they have an auction that night where cool. where you, you bid your Jocon money on exclusives. That's cool. So that was fun. They had bingo that night as well. Bingo, more like. It. <laughs> I think we just got our episode title. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I went to every single panel bar one, and that was only to get the opportunity to go back to the sales floor and also get some autographs from... Uh, well, I did see a photo of you with Larry Hammer. Now, I've heard of Larry Hammer. He's pretty much... He created the canon of the 80s G.I. Joe. Is that right? Yeah, but just to say that sort of undersells what he did. He wrote probably from the initial Joe comic run that was 155 issues. He probably wrote 150 of them. Now, was the cartoon around before and you took the cartoon and went... Or did he invent characters that became characters in the cartoon based on his comics? No, the origin of G.I. Joe was Hasbro was planning on bringing the brand back, but they wanted individual characters rather than just G.I. Joe himself. Hasbro approached Marvel about possibly doing a comic for it, and then they went through every writer at Marvel, and they all turned it down until they got to Larry Hammer, who was the last option, because he'd been employed mainly as an artist and an editor, and that was one of the first writing jobs he got, so he took it. And yeah, pretty much an idea he had was for a comic called Fury Force that was going to be based on uh, Nick Fury's son and they were going to take on Hydra, but he pretty much adapted that for the G.I. Joe story. Turn into Cobra. Well, yeah, that, that was done in a marketing meeting where Larry questioned who the G.I. Joes would be fighting because oh, okay. they didn't have any bad guy figures in the initial run. Yeah. In the marketing. So he is the architect to the G.I. Joe universe. Yeah. And amongst the, between him and the marketing people at Hasbro, they came up with the concept. One of the things Larry did was to keep the characters separate, started writing profiles that just so he could identify who the characters were. Yep. And then they started printing them back on the back of G.I. Joe packaging yep. called file cards, which is pretty much now an industry standard that was established by Larry Hammer. And you got an f- ugly saw. There was a photo of you with Larry. Yep. And the biggest shock for me, he's Asian. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I, you, you were very proud as punch in this photo with this guy. I was like, oh, he must be a voice actor or something, I thought, because who's, who's this Asian guy in G.I. Joe? And, oh, that's Larry Hammer. Well, okay. Because I knew the name, but didn't know what he looked like. And that's just me being racist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you see him make an appearance in one of the episodes of MASH back in the day. Which is another one of your loves. Yeah. So. Wow. Crossover. 
highlight of the con? There were so many. Meeting oh, Larry okay. Hammer and uh, the uh, toy designers. Uh, there's a company called Boss Fight Studios, which used to be the Hasbro design team for the G.I. Joe and Star Wars line. They've gone out on their own and have started doing freelance work, and they've designed a lot of the G.I. Joe figures of recent years. They also worked on the Star Wars brand, mm-hmm. uh, a few other toy lines, but they've, they're doing a Kickstarter to release their own figures. Okay. And you back that Kickstarter already? Not up yet. Oh, okay, so it's on the side. Yeah, end of May it's scheduled to be released. But uh, they're Greek mythology figures and they look fantastic. Mm, sounds all right. But meeting them, they were doing art commissions and I got a G.I. Joe piece done and it's great. It's yeah. probably the favorite, my favourite thing I picked up at the convention. So you've met Jamie Farr and Larry Hammer now, so you're done? Is it, have you like met all your idols? Pretty much. I've never been much of a celebrity fan in meeting them. because Not, not like Mitch, he's a real star fucker. <laughs> <laughs> So as as a trip to the States goes, would you say it was worth the trip to go to JoeCon? Oh, absolutely. If you're interested in G.I. Joe, the panels I found really great. They had all sorts. They had fans doing discussions on the history of G.I. Joe. They had Larry Hammer doing panels with Kurt Bogzigian, who was the uh, lead marketing uh, executive who was in charge of the G.I. Joe brand in the early 80s, which made it huge. Hmm. Uh, Sam Spears, who was the 1960s G.I. Joe engineer who designed the 12-inch figure back in the day. Okay, because in, here in Australia, G.I. Joe was never really as big as it was in the States. Like, in, in the States, it probably rivaled Star Wars figures, you know, as far as popularity. It actually got bigger than Star Wars, but I think the reasoning it never made it as big here was because the cartoons were never shown on Australian television. They were only available on video in video stores. Because I have asked you this in the past. And did we cover it last time you were on? I'm not sure, but I don't get G.I. Joe. Only, well, I didn't, I didn't, because there was no cartoons, like you said. So I grew up watching Transformers, he-man star wars obviously but gi joe was the toy line at the shops but i didn't get it like i was like okay yeah and then i saw the the movie was available at the video libraries and stuff and i probably hired it once and that that was it didn't grab my attention but they kept bringing out all these characters and then i remember the tiger force or something was that something yeah i sort of remember that coming out but i never really got into it and then when i met you and you got this massive collection of gi joe's like how did you not fall into this or or stumble upon it just to say yeah i'm gonna collect this thing now was it the toys uh, initially it was the toys. I had a handful as a kid and then in my early teens I sort of lost interest in it and then picked up the comics and the comics, when you read Larry Hammer's writing, just the tone of them is distinctly unique. But the story in the comics was a lot different to the cartoons. The basic premise of the comics was it was a bunch of ex-Vietnam veterans who had been pulled together in a... a bah, sort of... <laughs> Sorry. Falsely convicted for a crime they never committed. Yeah. They were put together in a team to tackle terrorism, which is a you know a basis of Navy SEALs and Delta Force and all that. But they didn't have the fanciful elements of, yeah, superheroes. Yep. And the characters weren't, like, they were distinctly different from each other. Could they shoot in the comic? Yeah. Because they um, can't in the comic. Red lasers and blue lasers. <laughs> the opening, or the first issue of the G.I. Joe comic, they land on an island to tackle Cobra and the population of the island has just been slaughtered by Cobra, so they could take over the... So, you're almost lucky that you sort of got into it before you saw the cartoon then. Well, so, I would saw... you have been tainted, maybe? Or The thing of the cartoon was, although the stories were fanciful, there was such 
great work done by the voice actors and the writers for great characters and they're all distinct personalities and like you've got Duke who's the leader and Flint but they're distinctly different personalities yep. then you've got Scarlet who's the strong woman Lady J took that role later on but then you've got certain characters who just have comedic elements to them and... like pork chop sandwiches and give body massages that, that's all I really know of J.I.J. Yeah. yeah and the rocks in it or something yeah yeah <laughs> Can you mention the movie, a joke on? Or was that like you spat on and kicked out or something? No, because the figures are done so well for the movie line that everyone appreciates them. The only issues with the movie line is they're so hard to get. Okay. Oh, so there is a new line. I mean, not that I've seen, but like I said, in Australia, we don't get... We just don't seem to get it. We got the original... the first movie we, they inundated the stores with that but obviously the movie didn't take off and they were on the short shelves for a long time but I don't remember seeing all that much for the second movie yeah well they didn't release any figures anywhere except the United States and Canada I think okay so all those have been acquiring through eBay and uh, so these stores. are movie figures or they they fit in line with the other figures no they are movie figures for the last retaliation film Okay. So speaking of movie tie-in figures, do you have the crappy Street Fighter figures that they release? Most of them, I think. Yeah, they're interesting. Yeah, I can remember when that when that came out. It was kind of like, well, why are they kind of hitching themselves to GI Joe? And I heard a story. I don't know if it's true or not that they'd made the figures and people didn't think they would sell if they were just Street Fighter figures on their own, and that's why they put the GI Joe name on them. I don't think that's the case. Okay. I think it was just a licensing agreement. Yeah. Because GI Joe had done previous line tie-ins and celebrity endorsements and things they had uh, Sergeant Sergeant Slaughter Slaughter. and the Roddy Piper figure as well isn't it that's quite a rare one isn't it yeah that's late 2000s though oh okay they had uh, a William the Refrigerator Perry the Chicago Bears Super Bowl player in the 1986 line and they were going to do Rocky but lost the agreement okay they couldn't actually produce him, but they did release in a comic uh, an appearance by Rocky. Okay. So, other than your trip to Dallas for Jocon, you spent a little bit of time in the States? Yeah, took in Disneyland, did a tour from San Francisco to Los Angeles, taking in Yosemite National Park, Hearst Las Carson? Vegas. Uh, no. Oh, that's all right. I want to go there. <laughs> Grand Canyon and back to LA, and then also did Universal Studios and the Warner Brothers studio tour you did Warner Brothers didn't you oh I did yeah I thought so it's, it's a weird tour like it's really good but it's it's not like Universal where that's set up for tourism so it's there's things that are exciting that definitely where Warner Brothers is a working studio so you sort of have to negotiate around what's going on at the time but it's kind of cool because it is a real studio that's working and if you're lucky enough you go into a real set you know, they're not filming or anything, but it's just, that's ready to go. That's what they're filming a show in. So that element was kind of cool. We went into the Big Bang Theory studio. Oh, sweet. Studio. Yeah, uh, got pretty little lies. You know, it was much cooler. Yeah, they'd stopped filming Big Bang Theory, so that's covered up a lot of the sets. But yeah. um, they had the elevator one open. Oh, yeah. That was pretty impressive. But Universal Studios is great if you're a movie fan. You were mentioning both Jaws and Jurassic Park before. The Jurassic Park ride, it was the first time I've had a chance to go on that. That was fun. And the Universal Studios to- Studio Tour, I think, is probably one of the most entertaining things. especially King Kong. If- King Kong! <laughs> But especially if you're a classic movie fan, like the house and motel from Psycho and the Jaws 
element to it they're both brilliant well, that's what I loved about um, the Warner Brothers tour is uh, there's a street they call Anytown USA and it's a courtyard and a street and it's once you've gone there you come back you watch movies you watch TV shows like my wife was watching Ghost Whisperer the other day it's like that's that's Anytown isn't it and then you watch and you watch a music man from 1950s it's Anytown like this has been used in so many things constantly and okay. it's just like it's great to say I've been there but it's it's yeah it's kind of weird that it is so used and yet it doesn't matter it's like Wisteria Lane it's from, it's everything and that's logistically it's like that's what Warner Brothers do they don't actually make these movies they'll rent out the space to production companies to make their TV shows or movies. That, that's one element of what they do. Oh. Because I always thought it was like Warner Brothers do this, Disney are over here doing this. And, yeah. Because everyone was claiming, I think it was Jurassic Park. And it's just like they used that many sound stages. Like where they had the space and the size, it's like they did one in Warner Brothers a lot and they did one at Paramount and they went one here. They did like, some oh. of that in Hawaii as well, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. So low light of the trip, anything? San Francisco was interesting. I'm not a huge fan of that place. Too many hills? No, just too just many deadbeats. I'm tearing you apart. <laughs> <laughs> That's for the room. It's not me having a fit or anything. <laughs> So, I was there on the 20th of April, which is 4.20 in the uh, That's probably why you didn't yes. enjoy San Francisco. Yeah, I'm one of those straight-edge type people. And the first thing we did was go to the Golden Gate Bridge, which was brilliant. The second thing we did was go to a park on 4.20 where it's pretty much legal to smoke pot. So, so that was interesting, watching thousands of people just sitting around getting high. And some of the interesting people sitting around getting high there were a lot an awful lot of people selling questionable food and burritos chimichangas and then after that we were returning the tour group was returning waiting for the bus on we were waiting on a corner across the street i saw a secondhand music store so i thought yeah i might go have a look at that so i start walking across the street towards a music store some local san francisco uh person decided he'd drop his drawers and take a shit in the middle of the footpath (laughs) so at that point i decided i didn't really need to see the secondhand music store and (laughs) return back to the other side of the street also on the tour one member of the tour got arrested for punching a bouncer so that made it for an interesting now is this a typical overseas tour where you go overseas to see the world and experience other cultures with other people from the way the world and it was 80 percent aussies yes yeah, and a large bogan element there so not a group i would regularly hang out with i might just put a shout out on facebook to the couple of random people i'd did tolerate on the trip so they can hear me bag them out. <laughs> Feel free. We're, we're all about the promotion of this show. <laughs> at, at least you, as I said, you, I know you you thought about going to JoeCon for quite a while and it probably sounds like it's something you're glad you did now. Would you go again? Absolutely. I'm trying to work out how I can save the money to go again next I remember, year. I mean, you were lined up to go with some mates and they pulled out and you were sort of like, do I go by myself? So you went on your own in the end. Yeah. And did you... Met a fantastic bunch of people, and everyone's so accepting, and everyone's there for the common cause. They were except all... Hasbro. Except Hasbro, but yeah. they're sons of bitches yeah. anyway. Now, I mean, I'm I'm sure Fresh from my other podcast would have to ask this, and it's going to hurt a little bit. But is GI Joe dead? Because he's been making that call for a while now. Like, if Hasbro's not turning up to this thing, it's the whole thing. It's on its way out. That's the that's the. Honestly, the only thing keeping GI Joe alive at the moment is the fan. Yeah. With uh, their project supporting the GI Joe Collectors Club because they're pretty much the only ones releasing new stuff at the moment. Yeah, a lot of fan films and uh, online dios stories, that sort of thing. But as far as Hasbro is concerned, 
there's nothing to it. So, well, I guess there's quite a big business in people on eBay selling off the older figures, isn't there? So Hasbro aren't getting anything out of like the traders of the old stuff. So you probably can see why they're falling away. I don't know. Well, the problem is Hasbro's not getting the product into retail stores yep. or retail stores aren't picking the product up. The distribution in the States has been terrible, so they're not selling. So it's bad over there as well. Yeah. I mean, here so, we just don't get it at all, but obviously over there. Yeah. Well, yep. Hasbro, for example, has released previously Toys R Us exclusives that don't get into Toys R Us stores, but then find their way into clearance stores in America without actually hitting the Toys R Uses. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, it's sort of weird. Like, it sounds like they've tried. There was... Was it Retaliation? Was it... What was the movie Retaliation? Retaliation was Renegade. the recent one with The Rock. Yeah. Re- Renegade was a cartoon recently. Yeah. But again, Hasbro failing to get behind the product. They cancelled the series before it had even aired. And it was okay. the second highest rated show on the Hub Network behind Transformers Prime. So they gave it a go by producing the show. Obviously trying to get it up and running. Did they do... Well, the thing with the Renegades cartoon was they aired the cartoon and aired all 26 episodes. And then three months later after the series had been cancelled released the figures for the show yeah so, so, yeah, so they're obviously not a priority for them. Like, it sounds like it was a priority. You don't go and make a TV show if it isn't, but obviously they're not. Either two arms aren't talking to each other to create synergy with the product versus the TV show. Because without a TV show or a movie, it's just a bunch of action figures on the line. Yeah. On a peg. So you're not going to get kids in that when you've got Ben 10 taking that market share away. You know, who's going to pick that up? So it's adult collectors like yourself. So, I mean, a lot of the, um, I went to the toy fair, what do you call it, trade show a couple of months back, and it was not a lot of action figures for sale. I mean, everything seems to be blocks like Lego or copies and those sort of things, or things that are tied to apps, yep. you know, statues tied to apps and those sort of things. And there, are, there is figures, there's Max Steel, there's Transformers still, there's, but nowhere near like it was back in the 80s. Now, is it, you need that tie-in? Like the only ones I can think of is Ben 10, and there's a cartoon that's popular. There's yep. Batman figures, because there's still a Batman cartoon at the moment. Obviously, Avengers figures at the moment, not very good but they're there but there's not a lot of action figures around at the moment so whether there is a market for action figures or you just need that synergy because people aren't just going to buy anything anymore but what there is is the adult collectors people our age who have money and are buying really high-end boutique action figures. Now, you've got a few of their Hot Toys, or I don't know what brands uh, bring them out. Sideshow collectibles. They bring out these, what would you call them? Six-inch? 12-inch. Uh, 12-inch. 12-inch, yeah. highly um, detailed with cloth clothing and just amazing figures. And there's superhero lines and all that sort of stuff. Now, that's G.I. Joe. They've got a, quite a big collection of those. But are they Hasbro or are they No, Side they're Sideshow so... and they've licensed the G.I. Joe name from Hasbro. I think part of the problem with Hasbro issue is that Hasbro actually own G.I. Joe, whereas Transformers, they license the Star Wars stuff, they license, what else do they have? Avengers, X-Men, the, they've got most of the Marvel line, don't they? Yeah. They license those, so those brands obviously are dependent on Hasbro to a certain extent releasing figures, whereas mm. Hasbro own G.I. Joe outright, so they have the power to kill it when they want to. Yeah, but these Sideshow, are they still coming out regularly? So there is this market being catered for? Um, they've oh, probably in the last end of last year was they announced a bunch of figures and they're slowly making their way out now because Sideshow only released probably six a year the thing is with the sideshow ones though, they're, they're already established characters that they're now making the, the detailed bigger figures of aren't they yeah yeah so they're not introducing any new characters as such no and they haven't announced any new figures for a few months probably since okay, late sure. last year so I don't know whether they're continuing on at the moment or no, so it's a grim future for Joe mm. Cobra one <laughs> 
Now that you've been to Jokon, do you know what the other half of the battle is? Uh, red and blue lasers. Okay. <laughs> well, unless you've got anything else you want to add, I think that's a pretty good place for us to wrap up this month. All right. Well, thank you for coming back on. Uh, thanks for having me. It gave us a, a bit of an insight because, yeah, as I said, I, I've known a little bit about G.I. Joe. I've had some of the toys when I was a teen, and it's good to really hear how a collector collects. And now we all know that Larry Hammer's Asian. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, well, again, thank you, Joel, for coming back. No and thank you, Mitch, as always. No worries. And if you have any feedback for us, definitely drop us a line on our Facebook page. We are facebook.com, the Massive Attack Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes, all the places you can find podcasts. Check out our website, which is themapodcast.podbean.com. The and yeah, we appreciate any input that anyone has. And until then, we'll see you next month. Uh, uh. I gotta go, gotta go, before I do something stupid. I gotta go, I gotta go, gotta go, before I do something lame. Alright, let me just do a little bit of a test record. I'm Mitch, and I like turtles. Have you guys ever seen Ten, the movie with Dudley Moore and... Oh, yeah. Oh, Derek. Yeah. No. That's Julie Andrews, isn't it? Yeah. Almost gets her boobs out in that. She gets them out in Victor Victoria. Victor Victoria. It's just weird thinking of a nun getting her jugs out. She's not a nun, she's an actress.